everyone, and welcome to episode 62 of the High Sensitivity Gaming Podcast. If it's your first time here, thank you for the listen. On this podcast, we talk about movie and video game news that happened during the week, and also what we played or watched over the week. My name is Barry, along with my co-host. My name is Craig. Same as always. And let's get into the news, because... A lot of news happened right at the end of the week last <laughs> week, right when right when the podcast posted. So by the time you're hearing this, you already know about it. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. First off, I'll start off with, and I continue to say it like every week, but it seemed like last week into this week, uh, Switch Pro heavily rumored for E3 this year. It's pretty much all but confirmed. Yep. So if you've been thinking about getting a new Switch, stop, because they're going to... They, I think they have to announce one at this point. They may have been saving it originally, but with how with how heavily rumored this thing is, it's going to be coming out. No, um, probably I'm going to go with uh, March of next year. Bold prediction. Heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying uh, Breath of the Wild two in March then? Breath of the Wild two along with a new addition to the Switch. Yep. Okay. Mark it down. Book it. Place your money down. It's going to happen. You heard the it bets, here. Yeah, the bets are going to be insane. <laughs> I would think that I'll probably pick this up. Um, I've been playing my Switch a little bit more than normal, but obviously I'm not going to be picking it up for Breath of the Wild 2. But OLED screen, right, is still the rumor? Yep. I can get down with that. Full 4K. Yeah, I, ju- docked. I, need, I need better battery life. That yeah. That's my main thing for me is I my thing likes to die and even while playing Metopia this weekend, I was more like there are times when the frame rate just chugs. Okay. And for a game like that, and you want it to perform well, it needs to perform well mobily as well, not just connected to the dock. And now some more than ever, we have Age of Calamity, like there's frame rate issues. Link's Awakening, there's frame rate issues. And now with Metopia, I'm finding frame rate issues. So you know, I do admit I do have a first generation switch. I don't have the second generation one with the slightly better battery. And maybe that would solve the problems. I'm not completely sure. But regardless, I'm looking forward to this one and I need an upgrade anyway. I think no matter what they brought out, even if it wasn't OLED and it was just, hey, this is a little bit more powerful, I probably would have bought it. Yeah, I agree. So, um interested to see the price point, though, on this. If they drop it 400 300 what they decide to do if they discount the old one and put the new one at 300 i don't know yeah i feel like there's so little pricing you can do between all these consoles because 200's the light and 300's the current one Mm -hmm. so i guess there's a chance that maybe in order to move out all the old switches you put it down to 250 and then have the new one at 300 that way you have three different models starting at 100 100 price point but right um, I think that's a hard sell, if I'm being honest, trying to like, if you're trying to move all the old switches for this new one, your goal is to probably put it on more of a discount, but any more closer to the switch light, I think people would prefer to get the switch light at that point. But you know, there's right. so many things to it. I don't understand. And I would also assume that they would phase out eventually the older style switch anyway, the, like yeah. the docked version, and then just keep the light and then the pro that would make the most sense. Um. It's going to be interesting because I don't know. It might be a little hard for me to justify if they drop it at 400. Um, it might be hard for me to justify 400 for a console, even though I have the first gen one that still works like, yeah. you know, dropping $400 on the same system that I already own. Just, you know, better, obviously better resolution and better screen. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I wanted to jump, jump into the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn stuff. And before I get into like the controversy stuff, I wanted to do the actual gameplay that they showed off, uh, which was looked phenomenal. And I know we have talked, but I, you know, here on the podcast, um, I personally am pessimistic about it looking that good the entire time. I hope I'm wrong, but the whole like cutscene and gameplay looks identical. And it was just like a, a whole nother level that we haven't seen in a game yet. I don't think. So hopefully I'm wrong and this is how the game looks, but I was uh, I'm skeptical about it looking that good. Yeah, like overall, I'm mightily impressed. Uh, I knew that Horizon Zero Dawn, we I kind of guessed this was going to be the first 
actual demonstration of what these new consoles would do. Returnal does a lot well, but it does it technically, not so much on the presentation standpoint for Returnal. Right. But Horizon Zero Dawn is what has quickly become one of Sony's biggest franchise franchises without question. Yeah. So Sony has put a lot of time, probably Guerrilla Games put a lot of time into it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's a decent chance that this game does look like as pretty as it does the whole time. I just think we were very fortunate to see this very pretty area of it. I think there's going to be other times where the game probably doesn't require as much, whether it's Aloy in a cave or Aloy in another certain area. But again, they continue to blow it out of the water for me with the with like the designs of everything. Cause the I'm always so impressed by the designs of like these robotic like dinosaur type things. Yeah. And the the technology design is just impressive itself. So I just hope they continue to impress me. Like as long as those monsters continue to look fantastic and continue to like look cool, I'm all for it. Brink can give me more horizon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess just because this is still scheduled to come out on PS4, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what gives me like, I guess, pause on the whole thing, because it can definitely look as good as it does the whole game on a PlayStation 5. But the fact that they also have to make this run on a PlayStation 4 is what makes me hesitate a little bit that it's going to look this good. Um, but again, gameplay wise, it looked good. Um, looks like the first one, you know, slight improvements there. Um, I haven't beaten the first one and I probably should, uh, but you know, slightly excited for it. It's not the game that's going to make me buy a PS five, but who knows? Maybe if I finish the first one, maybe it is the one that I'm like, Oh yeah, I definitely need to play it. Um, but also on a side note with that, we had the controversy around how Aloy looks, um, with people complaining that she wasn't thin enough. Um, they didn't like her character model. Um, it was interesting. It, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's their choice with how she needs to look or how they want her to look. Um, it's the same thing we got with uh, Last of Us, though, with Abby, right? People weren't happy with the way she looked either. She was too masculine um, with Aloy. They're saying she's too heavy. So it's stuff that we got to get over. Um, it's really not that big of a deal. And it's kind of annoying that people are that held up on this, honestly. But, you know, it, not everybody has to be. uh Tomb Raider quality, right? Like you can have no more normal everyday looking characters and that's a hundred percent fine. Last of us proved that. Yeah. I think for the, I think for the main point that like we're there and everybody else is trying to make here is that like the people who are complaining that Aloy isn't hot enough, like mm-hmm. you need to, you, you, you kind of need to like grow up, I think in a way, just because it's, it's not about how hot Aloy is. It's not the reason you should be buying games. If it is, then I think you might be playing video games for the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we, in this day and age where we, people are more, you know, trying to be true to themselves. And in a lot of ways, girls nowadays and, you know, in the past, we set these high expectations for them that they have to look like, oh, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Or look like this, or look like Tomb Raider, or like Laura Croft. Look like if Aloy was hot, maybe Aloy, yeah. uh, in that sort of point. And that's just not the case. It's not about everybody looking, you know, like absolute bombshells in video games or in movies or anything like that. It's about you know, and, and games are weird. Like we we're criticizing, you know, the uh, the character design of someone. This isn't so much. <laughs> yeah. This isn't like criticizing an actress like Scarlett Johansson, Marilyn Monroe, or, you know, a lot of actresses that people consider hot. We're talking about a, a literal, like fictional character game design, which yeah. like they complain about her here, but not about her in the first game. And I, I get it. Her cheeks maybe look a little bit chubbier right. in in this like when looking at the side by side that's really the only difference i can take but who who cares just <laughs> just as long as the game's good that's all that matters to me uh, yeah i think we've gotten you know especially for my age group growing up right if there was a female in a game it was mostly going to be like the bombshell type because you know growing up it was mainly men who were playing video games that's not the case anymore right i mean it's more yeah. of a widely accepted pastime now and you know it's developers are trying their best to 
have a more realistic approach to, you know, characters and especially women uh, characters. And, you know, the few times growing up that I can remember having a female lead in a video game, they were almost always like a Tomb Raider or something along those lines. Just, they were there for a reason and it was to sell copies to teenage boys. So <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely we're headed in the right direction and people just need to get over that mindset of this character is not hot enough. I don't want to play this game. Um, it's honestly not that important to be even getting that upset about it. Yeah, like if anything, you know, Guerrilla Games should probably be being commending for yeah. not, you know, they could take the easy way out. They could, you know, not have controversy and go, okay, you know, make an Aloy bombshell type thing. And it, mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of the whole Nintendo thing where people found out Samus was a girl and you're like, what? Like a woman in space? <laughs> like and yep. even kind of look up the issues people had back then with Samus being a woman. Uh, everybody just has an opinion now. And because social media is now this platform bigger than ever, I, I feel like everybody feels the need to share their opinion, whether or not it's popular or not. Yeah, I agree. That's all Please. I got on that, though. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of reveals, we'll just keep the list going. Yeah. We have the Far Cry 6 trailer coming out mm -hmm. and. It pretty much just and there's a little bit of like controversy, I guess, with the game as well, because they have come out. The Ubisoft developers have come out and said that this game is going to be political, which is something that Ubisoft has tended to stay away from, especially when it comes to like the Ghost Recon series, where they specifically make up these fake areas and people got in trouble for what they got in trouble for Wildlands because it was based in Colombia. And people are like, oh, this is like some political statement when like it's just a game taking place in an area mm -hmm. so but enough about that like more about the gameplay uh me personally i have never been a big far cry fan but i'm spanish i'm a sucker for spanish <laughs> uh, like like countries and spanish heritage and the trailer really leans heavily into that spanish community type of thing and i'm all for it so i'm, I'm gonna give this game a shot and it it looks different enough from the other Far Cries. I think the last one I might have played was three. Okay. And I and I know I didn't beat it for, for like a fact. So mm -hmm. I just hope they they do their part. They continue to stay true to what they're doing here. And as long as the game is fun and the narrative is interesting enough, I don't see why, you know, I wouldn't be getting this game. Yeah. Far Cry three. Um, I hundred percented that when that game came out, that was something that was so different and done so well that everybody loved that game um far cry 4 i beat that as well that was pretty good um, but then you know they just started doing the same thing over and over again you had three four then you had primal um and then you went into five which they got you know the same kind of trouble with five where that first trailer came out and everybody was you know not up in arms they're like oh, okay we're gonna go after the you know super religious cults um and then you know uh, Ubisoft got out there and be like, oh, no, this isn't a political game. This is just a Far Cry game. So either way they go, they always get into trouble with having making a political statement or not. I am excited for this game. Um, they just need to make it different because for as much as I love three and four, five was so much of the same thing. I never finished it. And I don't want to play the same Far Cry formula game again because I'm going to burn out real quick on it. So as long as they can switch it up, they can keep that same element of gameplay first person open world that they've done so well, but they got to make something fresh here to bring people back in. And hopefully they've had enough time now to figure that out. And hopefully it's something good because I I'm down for a game like this for sure. Yeah. So am I, uh, we also got to look at the crisis remastered that's coming out this fall. Um, I'm yeah. not a huge crisis fan, so I honestly could care less about these coming out. To me, these games were always just to see if your computer could handle it, especially the first one back in the day. But what kind of caught my eye the most out of this was that it's coming to Switch. And to think that back in the day, whenever you would build your computer, or you'd buy a computer, the first thing you would download is Crisis to see if you could play it on Mac settings. To think we'd be at the point where a Nintendo handheld console could run it is hilarious to me. Um, I guess that just makes me old because it's probably not as intensive as it was back then but i know a lot of people have love for this game i just never really got into it that much yeah one thing i will say is we don't know how well it's going to <laughs> right. run it that's going to be right. the first thing that's going to be that we need to figure out about it 
Right. Unless it's a streaming thing like they've done with some games, right? Where it's just streaming to your switch. Yeah. To avoid all that. I could see them doing that. But yeah. they did say it will run extremely smooth on the Series X and the PS5, which you would expect. But I definitely want to see it running on a switch. Yeah. And hopefully it runs well. I know I and I'm not sure I might be. I might be wrong here, but I thought Crisis One came out for Switch. It I did. thought we did yep. get yeah. Yep. So, the first one's out. We're just this is the second and third one. They did say you could buy them separate if you wanted to, but they are going to package them all together as well. Yeah, it's weird how much Crytek has just re-released, you know, uh, <laughs> Crisis One, Two, or Three over and over again to make yeah. money. Yep. With the little bit I played of Crisis 1 on my own PC, even my own PC kind of struggled with it occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will admit I'm running on for older hardware, not oldest. Right. But, yeah, uh, you know, I never got too far in it. It just seems, uh, it just seems like I, nobody's asking for this, I guess no. is what I'm getting no. at. Usually when, like we heard about the Mass Effect, you know, people have been crying for this thing to be remastered and they finally get it. Right. And with Crisis, it feels like you're just remastering it to get a some sort of cash grab and, you know, have everybody who was on console play it as well. It, yeah. I don't see much of the point. I want to see how sales do for this game to see whether or not people were actually like excited for it or, you know, who even asked. Yeah, I just always felt the game was super generic. Um, it was, you know, we Halo was doing sci fi shooter already. There was Call of Duty out there already when the first Crisis came out. It was just a game that looked really pretty. So if you take that out of the equation with with games that look better now, lots of games, I just don't see the need to remaster it or play through it again. Yeah, like I've never heard anything about the story because that's something that like a game like Titanfall 2, we did hear about that the story was fun and it was good. I haven't heard anything about Crisis story. I couldn't even tell you, and I played through the first one. I don't even remember. (laughs) Yeah, so it's that kind of stuff that I'm always surprised with. And we didn't even get a date. We just got a coming soon. Yeah, they're saying fall sometime, but that could be anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're just going to keep going on with the trailers here as we have Dying Light 2 Stay Human uh, trailer coming out. I never played the first one. Well, no, that's a lie. I did play a little bit of the first one, but not enough to remember anything about the game. Mm Mm-hmm. Based off of what you've been saying, because I did ask your opinion on Dying Light, it yep. sounds like it's a pretty good game, and it sounds like something that I should at least try to get into. I I don't mind the zombie thing. I think at the time, for me, the zombie thing had been overdone. Like There was definitely a time in the late 2010s where everything was zombies, zombie this, zombie that, Call of Duty zombies, Dying Light zombies, every, mm-hmm. every which way I felt like we were finding zombie stuff. So maybe now is the right time because Dying Light 2 looks pretty good. I I just thought with the trailer it was trying to be very ambitious with what it was trying to do like it's it's telling you about how, how you join factions and how, you know, you doing things affects kind of everything in the game apparently. Yeah. And affects your loadout, it affects what you're able to craft or build. So Dying Light 2, I hope it's what everybody wants it to be, and I'm going to withhold my opinion until I play <laughs> a little bit more of the first one. So Dying Light, to me, was a good mix. I was a fan of Dead Island um, way back in the day. I thought that was a nice like first-person, melee-focused zombie game that was open world. So Dying Light, I thought, did a good job of combining that with the movement of like a Mirror's Edge, right? We're more parkour-related, and I know it does. I don't know if you would say it's a cult following, but a lot of people enjoy Dying Light. I really like that game. And I've been waiting on this game for a while. I mean, this was announced years ago at this point. So having it finally have a date, hopefully it does come out. I will definitely be ready to play that day one when it comes out. Hopefully it lives up to the hype, because when they first announced it years ago, that was the same thing they said, like, hey, if you decide to do turn the water off on this mission, um, you're, you know, standing with the poorer people in the country are going to go down, but you're standing with the uh, corporation or the government will go up. So you're going to get better guns, but you know, people aren't going to help you on the street. And that's a cool idea as long as it's useful. Right. And it's not just like some, Oh, well you can get this gun because you chose this. It has to be more than that. It has to go with the story. So I am excited, cautiously optimistic because it's been so long, but I'll definitely play through it. Yeah, and, and hope 
hopefully just hopefully it ends up again uh coming out without many problems i think right. this game's been delayed a decent amount of times here mm-hmm. so i'm hoping that now that we have a date which i think is november or something like that yep with a uh i just hope that the game comes out with not too many problems yeah and in news of things you you want but can't buy um if you've been looking for graphics cards there's new graphics cards coming out that you will also not be able to buy when they come out. So <laughs> exciting news there. We got the uh, 3080 Ti and the 3070 Ti, which go on sale next week. 3080 Ti is 1199 3070 Ti is 599 Again, not that it matters because you won't be able to get them because bots and scalpers will swipe them all up. Um, the only thing I can hope for is that it makes the other cards maybe more accessible because I still need one. Yeah, that's going to be the big point of it. And I know with with NVIDIA cards specifically, they've been doing a, a better job of like people who are buying these cards, one, are bots most of the time, but two mm-hmm. are people who are using it to buy mine, mine Bitcoin and like the Ethereum coin stuff, yep. which, you know, I guess you could do, but NVIDIA has been trying to take steps as to not make them so efficient at that because... You know, NVIDIA's heard it from gamers, you know, they right. people people want to be able to get these new graphics cards and people have saved up, you know, years or months worth of their money in order to get them. And they can't because, you know, in the current climate, we're in scalpers are the bane of everyone's existence. Yep. So all we can do is really hope that NVIDIA maybe starts to roll out their own sort of queuing system and while i think sony's system isn't bad like for what they did with the ps5 and can be a little bit annoying at least they send you an email and if you're a human you have to click on the queue and you have to wait yeah and i when i looked at that i think a lot of people ended up getting their playstation 5s you know at least pretty normally and at least if you get that invite link you know you're probably gonna get one yeah for the most part so that's uh, i don't know i think that's going to start to need to be something that people become more involved in or you know start to or we start to see sites roll that out more where it's a queuing system where if you declare intent to buy one uh you know you get randomly selected to yeah to get one that kind of thing i don't think that's a bad idea but no it's definitely not because trying to get them now where you're just picking a you know a retailer whether that be Amazon or Best Buy or Newegg or whatever, and you're just sitting there refreshing the page at midnight. And as you know, it goes from 1159 to 1201 and it goes from coming soon to just immediately sold out. Um, There's no hope. Like I have totally given up hope and pushed off building a computer until next year and hoping that everything's available then. But yeah, they need to figure something out because it's not working the way it's set up right now. Yeah. And that's the same can be said for, of course, everything right now, whether it's Pokemon cards or sports cards in general, mm-hmm. whether it's game consoles or anything, anything that people find joy in, like sho- even shoes, you know, you you have people sucking the fun out of it in order to make a quick buck. So yeah, agreed. It's it's with a lot of stuff. It's not just that. So next up for me is going to be the Pokemon release dates. We have Diamond and Pearl coming uh, November 19th with Pokemon Arceus coming January 28th. The diamond, the shining pearl, and no, no, it's shining pearl and brilliant diamond. I think that is it. <laughs> it's or or they're switched around. Get it right, or Nintendo will hunt you down. Yeah, right. At least <laughs> at least I won't get caught for copyright because yep. I got them mixed up. <laughs> Having them come out November nineteenth really isn't that big of a surprise. We we expected new ones this year, and they do tend to come out in the November um, October sort of time frame. Kind of the biggest surprise here is the pokemon legends arceus coming out january 28th so soon after yeah uh diamond and pearl come out and really you know i'm excited for them i'm excited for them both and i want to see what they end up doing i guess really my only concern with it all is the fact that with arceus coming out so soon is that something like i'm my expectations for that game have kind of lowered just because it's coming out so close like is it just going to be this weird game add-on that isn't like a traditional pokemon experience more so it's something you know oh this is coming out because we decided to have it done at this point like if it was coming out in march when the new switch was coming out or something like that i would have higher hopes for the game meaning like a full-fledged 
like elite Pokemon title, but with it coming out that soon, uh, my expectations for it maybe have dropped a little bit, which might be Nintendo's plan all along. <laughs> maybe, you know, it could be something like with uh, Bowser's Fury, where they're trying out a new concept for their staple games and. Maybe it's not a full, full experience, but if it works, that's the direction they go. Because I think Bowser's Fury worked very well for them as a short experience to try out an open world Mario game. And I think for the most part, everybody liked it. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But hit me with the rest of the news because I'm out. All right. Gotcha. So from here on out, it's kind of more newsy type stuff. Nothing about games wise. Knockout City becomes a surprising excess Mm -hmm. of... You know, and I did add a comment, you know, people are kind of asking, well, why is this game of all games for a success? First off, the way they released it, it was initially free. Yep. And I think, no, definitely by the time you hear this, the game is not free anymore. Unless you have Game Pass, but that's technically not free. Yeah. Yeah. So they built up a player base because they started out with like a free two weeks. Like it's not like a weekend thing or a week. They decided to make it a little bit longer. And I think that has to do with it. I also think that the reason this game has been successful as it is is because it's a game that really anybody can understand, and that's Dodgeball. We've all played Dodgeball when we were kids. Maybe not so much now, just because, you know, health safety reasons for that kind of thing and getting hit in the head and everybody's uh, concerned (laughs) for concussions. But, you know, I see a lot of people who really don't, like, talk about video games, talk about Knockout City. Because this is a game that isn't like a Battle Royale, you know, Apex Legends or Warzone. It's dodgeball. And dodgeball is something everybody can kind of grip the rules of very easily. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why. And all of the uh, pay stuff is all um, cosmetic right now. So EA's done a much better job of making it so uh, pay, pay to win isn't a thing or a mechanic in that game. Right. So good for Knockout City. I'm happy for it. Yeah, it's a fun game. Everybody should check it out. Yeah. I then have EA pulling old Need for Speed games. Uh, It's kind of pulling the plug on the old ones, especially like my dear favorite Need for Speed Carbon. Yes. As much as like people thought that was hot trash. I loved that game. It was a great game. So it's it's kind of sad to see EA pulling their old Need for Speed games, but I'm hoping this... I'm hoping EA's kind of like, hey, guys, we can't continue to, you know, ride the coattails of the old games. We need to start coming out and making better stuff, which when my when Need for Speed Heat came out, you liked it. It was a good Need for Speed game. Yep. So if they continue to kind of do that, I think we'll find or make or continue to polish their games up. I think we're going to find that Need for Speed maybe comes back into the forefront because Need for Speed tends to be, and it is a crowded market now that I think about it when it comes to racing games. You've got Dirt, you've got Project Cars, you have the exclusive like Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport or Horizon. So Need for Speed just needs to continue its, continue making these outlandish games almost like Fast and Furious. Mm -hmm. I think that's something they need to kind of hone on and capture and if they can hone on on the ridiculous speed chases of running away from cops, I think we'll see Need for Speed come back to glory. It's really simple. If they would just hire me, all you do is make Need for Speed Underground, remaster it, and continue that franchise. And you're literally writing a blank check because everybody's going to buy that game. Yeah. Everybody loved Need for Speed Underground 1 and 2. Everybody's been asking for years for a remaster. Um, remaster that game, throw it out there, and then make a new one. That's literally all you got to do. hopefully it ends up being that easy yeah next i have nintendo wins court case over rom site and now has to pay the nintendo not so the person that lost it has to pay nintendo two million (laughs) dollars worth of damages and losses this is the uh, this is kind of the dangerous precedent it's kind of setting for future rom sites i think with Nintendo winning this court case. And to be fair, it doesn't from everything I read, it doesn't sound like the gentleman like hired his own lawyer team. It sounded like he just went and defended himself, Mm -hmm. which usually isn't a good look when you're facing a company that's well, well over millions of dollars in profit and can hire the best of teams. Yep. So I'm, I want to see how this affects the, or how it kind of quakes out to the rest of the ROM community and whether or not, Nintendo starts coming after them because to be fair, Nintendo games are the most highly 
you know, ROMed and pirated. And that's because Nintendo games go up in price as they continue to get more scarce. Yeah. If if you ever wanted to see something like it, look up games like Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Uh, that game, I think, came out at 40 or 50 bucks. That game's over, you know, worth over $100 now. And people who want to play it, you know, they can have a GameCube that still works, but having to pay, you know, twice or close to three times the price for a game that's that old, it's kind it's kind of ridiculous in that sort of portion. So nin- Nintendo, I want to see whether or not they start going after other ROM sites for it yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. Scares me a little bit for people who have ROM sites um, and also people who use them. But I guess the safest way around it is just to buy your own legitimate copies, right? Yeah, and, you know, the rule is you can emulate as long as you have copies of the game. Right. And that's the kind of thing there where, you know, okay, I can emulate it, but I already have the game, so why not play it? You know, it's a weird weird thing. But for the last feel-good story of the of the news portion here and the it's article came from gamerant.com and the author is by Anthony Paleo. Hopefully I pronounced that right. But a young boy named Bryson sold his Pokemon card collection to pay for his dog's surgery. Uh, po- and it's clear what he ended up selling, but Pokemon took a notice, ended up sending him, you know, a thank you card and ended up sending him a bunch of rare cards as well. <laughs> I just think um, I read this, you know, the, and with the current climate of Pokemon cards, hopefully um, he ended up like making up whatever money he had to sell or anything. But it's just a really sweet story. You don't see a lot of, t- you know, especially in a world where it's not kids collecting Pokemon cards right now. It's adults who are like fighting over them, trying yep. to sell them and that kind of thing. It's just nice to see some kid who probably loves his Pokemon cards, but also loves his dog and decided yep. that, OK, you know, let's. I'm willing to sell this because it's worth a lot of money to get the dog surgery it needed. And it's, it's just a good story. You should definitely read it over on gamerant.com. And you know, if, if you need something to feel good in the gaming community, this is the, this is the story I found for this week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We're then going into games this week, yep. which for me is going to be Shin Megami Tensei three, uh, Nocturne HD edition or <laughs> HD remaster. It's a mouthful. It is. We then, <laughs> I then finished Resident Evil 8 Village on stream. So yep. if you haven't seen it, you guys should. It was, it was a fun time. And just a couple other small things about games I'm either starting or things I noticed. I noticed. What did you end up playing? So I played some Biomutant. Um, okay. I went down the hole of House Flipper on console. And just today I did restart Horizon Zero Dawn. There we go. All right. So... We'll start off with Resident Evil 8 Village because okay. I'm kind of the last person to finish it, it feels like, uh, but that's because <laughs> I was streaming it. But as a person who never really get, likes horror games or never really got into too many of them, I enjoyed the experience that this game had to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of strange. At the end of the game, like pers- like with Persona 5, for example, when I beat that game, it was more, it was more sadness because... <laughs> Uh, I just spent a hundred some odd hours with a game. It was kind of like this post game depression in a way. Yeah. But with resident evil, I finished the game and I was like, wow, that was like a fulfilling like story. And I felt good about it. Like there's two ways games tend to make you feel you either beat it and you're glad you did because of the time you spent with it or you're depressed. Cause it's like, well, what do I play now? Yeah. And overall, like overall, I can see why the game did as well as it did. You know, this is a great jumping off series for new for newcomers to the game because a lot of the Resident Evils aren't serialized. So you don't need to place you don't need to play seven to get eight. If I'm being honest, they reference. Yeah, they give you that seven and they give you a a background. Yeah, Yeah, they, they tell you what ends up happening. So. We we have that, I thought, and. I ended up playing on the easiest difficulty in order not to stress myself even more than that game already did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just fun. I do admit like auto headshots is pretty easy and makes the game a lot easier. But the the final hours of the game where you're going to Heisen where you're you know going to Heisenberg, you play as you play as another character and you feel invincible. Like the game just becomes a literal Call of Duty game. Yeah. And like the best way possible because it's action it's a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on and the game continues to get crazier as you continue to get, you know, further into the game. Mm-hmm. 
Resident Evil is a great experience. And, you know, I said on stream right now, it's definitely in my top five. And I think it'll stay there. It's it's a wonderful game. And for those who maybe don't like horror, um, one, have somebody play with you that maybe played through it so they can kind of tell you or warn you about, you know, stuff that's really scary because jump scares really don't bother me as much. It's the other types of scares that, you know, they, they kind of go for in this game, which it's scary that when, when it gets <laughs> scary, it does it really well. That's yeah. for sure. That's what I'll say. But uh, Resident Evil 8 Village definitely deserves everything it deserved uh, with with how much it sold and the popularity it got. Yeah. Who would have thought, you know, maybe a couple of years ago that you would have a Resident Evil game in your top five for the year? Not me. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yeah, I just think it does such a good job of combining horror and also action. And it's just a fun experience. It's like going to see your standard summer blockbuster in the movies, right? You got it's like having a big bowl of popcorn and watching a stupid action movie because the game doesn't take itself seriously. The story is out there, but it's entertaining and they know it's not realistic, so they get to have fun with it. Um, I mean, we do have to do a separate podcast so we can dive into all this stuff without doing spoilers here, but it's just such a great game. I love that game so much. Yeah, it really is. And I will say, I'm pretty sure I put the Resident Evil 3 remaster on the first like game yeah. of the year show that we did. And like, there's such a different kind of perspective about this game. Like the third person over the shoulder Resident Evils like don't tend to be scary at all because you don't have that it's not their eyes you're looking through. You're kind of a camera behind them. Whereas Ethan, you are Ethan. Like yep. in a lot of ways, Ethan's just a name. You end up becoming the person you're playing in some of these first person um, Resident Evil games. And I think that's what makes the game that much more satisfying. Yeah, I agree. So I got started on some Biomutant this week. Um, this did drop last Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. Um. So early impressions, I guess. Uh, I was excited about this game when they first announced it, what, two, three years ago, maybe? I think it was two yeah. years ago. Um, I would say, without knowing like everything in this game, it's a very capable game. Um, your standard open world action RPG with your, you know, you have guns and you also have melee weapons that you can switch out. You are playing as like animals. They're not any specific animals. They're mutated. Uh, it's a very good it handles well as a game i just don't think it's anything spectacular um i think the reviews have been pretty me mediocre and i don't think they're wrong it's just a very middle of the road action rpg that i don't think anybody's really gonna be remembering six months from now um the story is just kind of eh. I, I doesn't doesn't really grab me i'm trying to play a little bit more just so i can have a more fair impression before i you know, just completely give up on it. But there's really nothing there for me that's compelling me to continue to play it. I'm sure there's going to be people out there who they really, really enjoy this game. And maybe it becomes a cult classic down the road. But from everything I've seen so far, it's just not anything that you really need to rush out and, and play anytime soon. If it drops to like 20 bucks, I think it's totally worth that. But as a $60 game right now with everything else you could be playing and buying, I just don't think it's there. Yeah, one of the things that I did want to mention about Biomutant is it definitely looks super pretty and gorgeous. Yes. Like mm -hmm. the, and the fact that, and I like, we're not to demean any other game studios or anything like that, but the fact that this game was made by about 10 to 20 people, yep. I think really speaks to this like labor of love that this game probably was. And from, according to the news, they're interested in making it better. Like there's a Good. new patch coming out that's supposed to fix a lot of the narration issues that yeah. people have with the game uh i was before the podcast i was over at a friend's house and he was playing biomutant and i got to see it and mm -hmm. you know it seems to me like combat like the the core of the game it's there the combat the breath of the wild type stuff it's there to be enjoyed and to be had yeah but the problem comes where with the repetitive side quests and uh and the bad narration type thing which yeah is also a huge crux of the game. If you don't, if you have repetitive side quests, nobody's going to want to spend time in your game because they get bored. And then if the dialogue is too wonky or janky, you end up becoming frustrated and skipping everything, which means you don't get involved with the story. Yeah. The problem I have with the repetitive side quests is 
that this idea that people feel like their game has to be long. Your game doesn't have to be long. It just has to be entertaining. So if you're throwing the same side quests in, which I think to a certain extent, like near replicant had a little bit of this problem, not all as bad as Biomutant does, but like if you're just trying to pad out your game by putting in a bunch of side quests, you don't need to do that. Just get me through the story and keep me engaged. And I'm all about it. Um, And, and you know, the, the voice acting isn't the greatest. You have a one guy who's like your narrator and he's translating everything that all these animals are saying because they don't speak English, which is fine. But um, some of the choices are weird. There's a character early on who is very obviously a, a, a nod to Elvis and you're talking to him and he has like the Elvis hair and everything like you can't understand what he's saying, obviously, but like he's like singing in an Elvis voice. And then the narrator's like, you know, translating what he's saying. And it was just kind of like, why, why, <laughs> why yeah, are we doing yeah. this? I get they're trying to be like funny or quirky or whatever, but it just didn't work for me. Um, and again, I don't want to hit too hard on him because this isn't a huge company. And like for a small amount of people to put out a game of this magnitude is commendable. I just think it needs more work. Yeah, if if updates end up coming out and end up improving it, I could definitely see myself playing this game mm-hmm. and as long as the updates continue to come and they and they show the want to make it a better game, I feel like at that point, yeah, I should probably I want to give it a shot and give it my money at that yeah. point. Yeah. You definitely need to support the smaller developers for trying something completely new and out there. There's not enough of that. Yeah, we have there's too many times and you know, we even have the problem with Sony this year mm-hmm. where they're just looking to cash in on all their big things, you know, there's an Uncharted 5, a Last of Us one remaster, you know, re re whatever. Yeah. And then you have, you know, everything else going along with trying to just can fresh and new original ideas need to be commended on. And the problem is is a lot of the time these fresh new ideas don't make as much money as people want. And that's why we don't get as much original content. And it's the same thing in Hollywood and movies, according to actors and yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, if, yeah, I really hope Biomutant ends up becoming a better game here and ends up selling and becoming more of what I think that that game has the potential to be. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of new games, we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD edition. Uh <laughs> I can't with that title. This is such a (laughs) weird game. I cannot express enough how weird this game is. So you start the game off and you get to name your character, this professor that you hang out with and your best friend and kind of a girl. I'm not sure she's in the friend group, but I'm not sure if you've got a crush on her or not yet. But you there really is no idea what's going on at this point. You load into the game. It literally tells you, okay, the world's going to reset. Everybody's going to die. But you're at this hospital, so it's the safe place. And the teacher really doesn't explain why she picked you to survive. But this, this event that kind of erases the world and rebirths it is called the conception. And you end up becoming a demon. Uh, Why? I really don't know. (laughs) Um, Because. (laughs) Because you want to. And, (laughs) The reason I got this game is because it's considered kind of a cult classic JRPG. Shin Megami Tensei has a lot of roots in Persona 5, which Mm -hmm. I, you know, I adored very much so Persona. So I wanted to give it a shot. And I want to say I'm about three hours into the game. It's it's interesting so far as what I'll say. There are mechanics that I really don't know what they're doing or understand what's going on. But it's the same sort of combat, which is turn-based, find the weakness. If you find the weakness, you get an extra turn okay. sort of thing. And in this game, there's a little bit more customization than the other ones I've played, where the character you're playing as, he's really a blank slate. He's pretty boring so far. I mean, I want him to become more interesting. But right now, he just plays the silent protagonist. Okay. And every time you level up, you get to decide what kind of specs you want so right now i'm going for like a fast brawler so i'm always going to move first and i'm gonna hit like a truck but i'm a glass cannon Mm -hmm. so uh we see what happens when i get further into the game uh i don't know how much this game deserves this hd remaster title that it keeps getting because (laughs) the game like in all honesty does not look good you are not playing this game because it's this hd remaster that makes you know, ju- does justice to the old game or something like that. You're playing it because you like Shibagami Tensei 3. 
mm-hmm. or Shin Megami Tensei in general. So just keep that in mind when you're buying this game. It's not a looker by any means. <laughs> um, I can literally count the polygons or pixels on some of these characters. <laughs> so yeah. just keep that in mind. But the what has me still interested in it is the story. I have no idea what's going on, but the fact that you don't know why you were picked to be part of, you know, the rebirthing of the earth. And the fact that I became a demon is really is really unclear. Like, all I know is that some kid took an interest in me, a weird kid, I guess, and put a bug on you. And that made you a demon of some sort. So we just keep going. And I I just want answers to my questions. And that's really the only (laughs) reason I'm playing it. Well, I mean, this this what uh, system did it originally come out on? Was it like PlayStation 2? Yes. Okay. So they only have so much to work with as far as source code to make it look good, unless they were to completely remake this game, which they're not going to do. So I guess I, I won't hold them as much at fault about it not looking great. But do they at least do a little bit of work? Yeah, okay. I can definitely tell the difference between like the PS2 and mm-hmm. the Switch graphics. Yet again, I've also been playing docked. Or sorry, not docked. I'm playing mobile, so I've only done okay. 720p. And maybe the PS4 version of this game is a lot is a lot more healthier. Maybe it's a lot more cleaned up than that. But I, I wanted this type of game on the go. Yeah. And that's why I picked the Switch. So I'm going to continue playing it. And I'll look at side by sides and have like kind of an answer for you to see okay. what the PS4 version ends up looking like. Yeah. So I know last year I talked about House Flipper, but we need to talk about it again because I own it on the PC and I also own it on the console. Um, and I just started playing it on the console for the first time. I am playing on the Series X, and it does give you the option to bump it up to 4K, 120 frames, super smooth, right? Yeah. Um, it looks real good. I don't, you know, this game isn't isn't something that like you're going to put on and people are going to be like, man, look at those graphics, right? Because it's not like a graphically intensive game, but it looks very, very nice. And I have such an obsession with cleaning things that I should probably spend less time on this game and actually doing it in real life around the house. (laughs) But there's something so satisfying when like, I don't want to shoot people in apex and you know, I I don't want to play a a shooter or an RPG. I just want to chill. Um, I've been having a lot of fun. Like it plays music, but it's just like ambient music Been having a lot of fun, just turning the music all the way down, putting my own music on and just going to work and like cleaning these houses. And then, redoing them and reselling them for money is is super satisfying yeah um i have such a blast with this game and i'm glad that it works well on console it's a little bit awkward sometimes when you're putting stuff together because on the pc you're just like clicking things to put them together whereas on the console you're using like your analog sticks to move over to it so it can be a little bit cumbersome that way but overall it still works more than fine so if you're into cleaning things and even if you're not like i feel like this game has the ability to even if you think you have no desire once you start playing it it just kind of sucks you in it's the same thing i get from like when i really get into the sims for like a week or you know we were just talking about today like every year i get the itch to go play roller coaster tycoon um it's just like that that sim itch that i get every so often and house flipper for me is that i'm sure you can get it for pretty much dirt cheap now i think i paid like 10 bucks on pc it's probably 20 on console (laughs) or something like that totally totally worth it i can't stress enough how much fun i have with these games cool yeah now some some smaller stuff for me is you know you talked about uh, starting Mm -hmm. horizon zero dawn i will be starting that as well you'll probably have more impressions but i didn't get to play it yet Mm -hmm. but one of the things i just wanted to shout out was the character creator in metopia okay i talked about this a little bit earlier with a frame rate is kind of an issue, but the community creations for <laughs> Metopia are nuts. Uh, you can look at, and it, it brings this sort of extra feel to the game. Cause I made me my Metopia party with a bunch of my friends mm-hmm. and I made characters that look like them, but you also add other characters as you go through the game. And there are very realistic, uh, like copies of like Zelda and <laughs> solid snake and okay. like, peppy and like uh peppy the frog for, or um i know is pet is peppy the frog i think he isn't star fox like all of these pre-based models i just think are some of the most hilarious stuff you can do like people are so dedicated to the character creation 
character creator in this Metopia game where, you know, you have real life representations of like all of these characters that you can put in your story to play with. And I just think that's so cool because it adds more to my own story in Metopia where I can have Ganondorf as a boss if I want to. I can have King Dedede. Yeah, they look a little jank because it's just a me creator. Right. But the if you look at the pictures for these things, some of them look extraordinarily good and took a lot of time to make. And I can tell and I can tell that. So like I talked about Metopia last week and saying it's a game you should buy. But as I continue to go on and play this game, I'm just constantly surprised with how many and how many more reasons this game gives me to play it. Because one, it's like my friends and I on an adventure in a way. But now I can add fantasy elements where I can have characters from my favorite video game franchises interact with my party in the game. And I just think that's that's something that you don't see in video games right now. And I'm starting to see why maybe Metopia became like a cult classic on the DS. And I'm so glad that I started to get into it uh, in the switch age. Yeah. Like I had no desire to play this game at all, but like the more you talk about it and like, I'm looking at some of these character creations, there's like Shrek and the handsome Squidward and like all this stuff that like makes me want to actually try this game. So I'm definitely gonna have to try it out. There's He-Man, Mona Lisa, man, there's crazy amounts of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, like it is such a fun and quirky game. I didn't expect to like it as much as I do, but you become invested in the characters that you're playing and you end up like having these really stupid, like sweet moments with like other party members. So and that you build your relationship up and they end up, you know, doing things where, you know, your your buddy will take a hit for you before you die or something like that and it's like yes you know it's <laughs> craig from craig from my party decided to save my life and it's like yes yes virtual craig. the ultimate sacrifice yes exactly look out this is going to sneak up your top 10 list if i keep playing it the way i am <laughs> it, it just might it just might so the last thing i played this week is i just restarted horizon Zero dawn and just to make it clear this is the fourth time i've restarted this game i am dedicated i'm dedicated every time to finish this game but i feel like more so i am dedicated uh we were talking about this this morning not on the podcast but we were talking about trying to get through it so that we were ready for the new one when it comes out and every time i play i just find where i hit a wall and i can't progress either there's too many enemies or i feel like i'm not high enough level and i just get frustrated so we were looking up the easy mode to see if we could get through this. And, you know, they say like you do 50% more damage, you take 50% less damage. And then there's story mode, which is uh, you take 10% damage and you deal 400% more damage, which is insane. And I've never, I've never played a game on story mode. I've seen it on a lot of games, but I've never actually tried it. And I thought, you know, this is probably the best way for me to get through this game is to put it on story mode so I can get the story, which everybody says is phenomenal. And I won't hit this wall of I'm not a high enough level. And so far, playing it that way is like comically fun. Just (laughs) (laughs) like the story is good. I'm still at the parts that I've already done. So I already know the story, but it's just comical how easy it is to kill people. And like it's entertaining me enough to keep going. So I think this will actually be the way for me to get through this finally. Um, Even if I do just have to kind of mainline it and skip all the side quests. But uh, man, for never having done a story mode on a game before, this might be the future for games that I'm like, eh, I don't know if I really want to play this game. If it has a story mode, I might be more willing to play it anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm going to end up playing it on easy. I have to see what I ended up doing, but you have to let me know what it feels like to do a boss battle, yeah. whether or not the boss battles are still comically like stupid <laughs> or whether or not they give you like the feeling of like a rush of something. Right. And hopefully it's not a rush of laughter. I guess. It probably will be, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't have any opinions yet because I didn't restart my playthrough. I plan on streaming it tomorrow. Uh, cool. Well, it actually, by the time this podcast comes out, I will have already streamed it. So just be on the lookout for, you know, me streaming Horizon Zero Dawn. I really don't have a schedule or a time, but I can tell you, um, like, I can definitely stream on Sunday 630 to 930 like I have been. 
Mm-hmm. So if that's the time you guys have been there for to hang out, hopefully you continue to come out and hang out during that time. That's the day I can definitely say that I'll continue to stream on. Yeah, it's been a good time so far. It has been. But that's going to be it for games that we ended up playing this week. Let's go ahead and head over to movie slash TV shows. All right. Which for me, it's continuing Modoc okay. and uh, Bad Batch. The new okay. episode of that. Um, I have I did watch Cruella. And then uh, I started, I rewatched all the uh, Conjuring movies in preparation for the new one coming out this Friday. Okay. So you did a lot more preparation than I did for <laughs> movies. So I'll go ahead and talk about my, my, a little bit of things that I have. I'm curious about your Modoc because I haven't watched anything more since the first episode. So, so. I'm on episode four now. Okay. And Modoc has been interesting enough for me to keep like my my attention like the thing is is I keep watching this and I'm expecting robot chicken like you know kind of filthy comedy I guess is what I'll call it but we never get there like the voice of Modoc is Patton Oswald he's not I don't think really known for filthy comedy and you know it's it's more about every episode where you know it's this problem that he's trying to save his marriage and it still isn't like helping at all like <laughs> and now he's trying to reconnect with his kids and that kind of thing i'm hoping the series gets better like if i'm being honest four episodes into the series like this is a show that i'm watching but i also have my tablet on me so i'm reading or doing something else which doesn't bode well for tv stories you usually forget about those types of things yeah but i still want to give it a shot because i also hear that it gets better at the end or the ending here so okay i'll I'll keep watching modok but right now like it is it's one of these things where it's on but i'm not paying the uh, (laughs) utmost of attention to it yeah it's background noise for you exactly that's kind of how i felt after i watched the first episode i was like this is you know funny it has its moments but if i'm watching a show and i find myself slowly gravitating with my phone into my hand or my tablet that's when i know a show might be in trouble yeah so but um before i get into the bad batch what's your views on cruella so i did watch cruella um full disclosure i watched it at my house so you know there is a pretty high price point if you're not going to go see it in theaters which is $30. Um, For me, having a family, it's not any more than I would normally pay, so it doesn't affect me as much. Um, I think I was the only one in my house who was like, yeah, I want to watch that. It's just kind of been like the trailers have been good, but I don't think anybody's have has been like overly excited for this movie. I think it's doing pretty well in theaters. But again, everybody wants to get back to the theaters and your options are Cruella or A Quiet Place. And if you have a family, A Quiet Place is probably not the best movie. So you go to Cruella. <laughs> no no kidding. But it is making money, which is good. Um, overall, the movie is surprisingly good. Um, I went into it with low expectations. I'm not a huge 101 Dalmatians fan. I watched it a bunch as a kid. But uh, I like Emma Stone. And she you know, handles playing Cruella very, very well. It does do the, you know, let's take a villain and make you be on her side, right? Because even though she's a villain, which she does a very good job in this movie of being a villain, even though she's not the worst person in this movie by far, she's still a villain and that still comes across. You don't look at her as like a hero. I mean, I guess you could, but I didn't. Um, But this movie is very funny, very entertaining. Um, For a movie about fashion, which I don't really care about fashion, it kept me invested the whole time. Um, it was very, very well done. The music's really cool. It's like, you know, 70s London. So you get a lot of like the 70s, uh, like punk scene, which is cool. Um, but yeah, overall, I really, really like this. It's going to be as of now on my top 10 for the year. So we'll see if it changes. But I thought it was I was pleasantly surprised by how good it was. Cool. For the Bad Batch this week, we have another good episode coming out where mm-hmm. uh, the crew is looking to find out who hired the bounty hunter to capture and get Omega. And in order to get that information, they need to go do a job, which ends up being, you know, dangerous and having its own sort of issues with it. Um, but again, like for me, it's another good action episode where, you know, the the problem arises, you get some good character development at the end there. And... I just I I am starting to be again, become more invested as to what the Bad Batch and this crew have to offer the Star Wars series. We don't hear about the Bad Batch in any of the other like in the future Star Wars series. 
So I'm getting invested enough into the series now where I'm like, oh, is this going to be um, is this going to be something where the crew dies at the end, you know, trying to save Omega and then we see where it goes from there. But back to back to good episodes for this is all I can ask for. And, you know, it's not like Modoc. I'm watching these episodes, my phone's down and I'm watching <laughs> exactly what's going on. So it's kind of the opposite of what um, Modoc has done for me. I just continue to hope that I know and eventually the story will slow down and pick up kind of like how the Clone Wars did, especially with as many episodes as the Clone Wars had. But I just hope it continues to impress me and keep uh, and keeps me engaged. I. I like the Star Wars stuff and playing this or and everything like that just makes me want to play uh, Republic Commando again. <laughs> I just yeah. I, I just need to play it with a group of friends. That might be a game that I get friends on and we try to play it on stream or something. I mean, but, that has multiplayer again, right? Yeah, I think it does. I'm pretty sure I it's mean, got multiplayer. I have my my copy for Xbox. Let's yep. do it. <laughs> All right. We'll have to we'll, we'll have to we'll have to look into it. That might be a yep. fun game for everybody for, for us to play. But uh, that's going to be it for movies for me and movies this week. I will say and I know this is an older movie, but I've wanted to watch Blade Runner 2049 for a while. Um, I just hear it's like a really good cinematic masterpiece and I have that movie and I'm going to watch it over the weekend here. So look forward to that. If you want to brush up on your Blade Runner 2049, I would suggest doing so. So just something to look out for next week. You're talking about the newer one that was made? Yes. Yeah, the newer one. And you have you watched the original? No, I okay. I was actually now that you mentioned that, is this like a remaster of 2049 or is this a sequel to the I don't the know how best one? to describe that. I guess it would be considered a sequel, but some people might disagree with me. Yeah, okay. I think it is a sequel. Um it, I mean, I like the original. I like both. They're both very very good. Um there's okay. like a million versions of the original. I think the director's cut is the one that everybody says is the best of the original, but Really, any of them, I think, is fine. Okay, yeah i i want to I, I want to watch Blade Runner, and if this mm-hmm. one is good enough, maybe I'll end up watching the original. Yeah, I find it hard to watch old movies sometimes because a lot of the times old movies don't look very good. Correct, and can be an eyesore. So <laughs> correct. You know, we'll see, and I'll have impressions on the Blade Runner twenty forty nine series next week or the movie next week. Cool. Um, so I did watch Conjuring one and two, and I also watched The Nun. I have to watch. I don't know if I need to, but rewatch Annabelle. There's two Annabelle movies. Um, I'm getting myself pumped up for The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It, I think is what it's called, which comes out Friday in theaters and HBO Max. Um, I love The Conjuring movies. I have a uh, soft spot for Lorraine Warren, who it's based around. Um, if anybody watched back in the day on the A&E, there was a TV show called Paranormal State. Um, which was a paranormal research society based out of Penn State here where we are. Um, And then the one, you know, the one of the girls who was in the show um, is. I mean, she she still to this day lives about six houses down from me, Um, but growing up, I was you know, I spent a lot of time with her brother. We used to skateboard all the time. So like that's what initially drawed me into that show was I knew who that was. And then Lorraine Warren was somebody that was on their show quite a bit as a, uh, a medium, basically. Um, so I had a soft spot for her. And when they first announced Conjuring was going to be based on Ed and Lorraine Warren, I was super pumped. And these movies are done extremely well. Um, they still hold up. I haven't watched the first two in a while, but they're still terrifying. They're good stories. And I'm super pumped for this new one coming out. So if you're into horror movies, which I know not everybody is, these are a very good They'll scare you, but the story is also super compelling. So if you haven't seen them, I would definitely recommend checking it out and then get yourself ready for Friday, which will be like the day after this goes up. Cool. Yeah, I'm I've, I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't going to watch them just <laughs> as 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 I've shown on stream. Scary is not my thing. Yeah, but I, movies aren't as bad as playing horror games. See, and I think movies are worse. Oh, OK, <laughs> that's fair. I think um, I don't see them as bad because I'm not controlling it. Yeah, I guess, I guess I look at it. Here, here's here's what I'll explain. And I guess here's Barry's story time corner sure. for movies. But when when Paranormal Activity came out, that's the thing that everybody watched like, yeah. when I was younger. It was the thing that everybody loved and wanted to see. I had never seen Paranormal Activity, but I was at a friend's house and there were a lot of friends there. So I decided I wasn't going to be the baby. And I was just <laughs> going to hide under a pillow okay. for most of the movie. And I ended up not 
hiding through most of the movie i ended up like watching it because like it's just a ghost yeah and you really don't see this ghost sorry spoilers for paranormal activity the movie's (laughs) only been out for what 15 years yeah at least Um, yep so like i ended up not being scared but then at the end of the movie where there you go oh you know they say that this ghost in the house is still haunted and then you know i get to my house and i go to sleep and i'm like damn it i am haunted (laughs) so yep yep it's that kind of thing where like when the movie ends and they tell you, Oh, it's based on real life stuff. And like mm-hmm. me personally, I'm not a big believer of ghosts, right. but watching something that's trying to horrify me and scare me, I guess just also ends up scaring me in real life. So <laughs> that's fair. I mean, horror movies are definitely not for everybody. I have a lot of fun with them. My wife hates them, but she will watch them. Um, but she just tends to not look at the screen a lot. So, I mean, that's one way, I guess, if you just listen to it. But I'm super excited for Conjuring, so I am ready for Friday. Cool. Well, with that, I think that's going to be the end of the podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening. And if you're interested, we have a Twitch, a Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram page where if you want to get involved, uh, you can speak to either Craig or I. We're pretty active on both those pages, and I literally tweet every day, I think. (laughs) I've done a good job of that this year, just to pat myself on the back. But uh, if you like the podcast, please end up sharing it with your friends. We'd really appreciate it if you helped us grow and and help us move on to bigger projects as well. With that, uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your guys' day. We'll see you next time. See you later. (laughs) 